I think that you should eat the way that's going to serve you best. And that could be, you know, any number of things. It could be the thing that's going to get you the aesthetic result, like looking a certain way. It could be something more, uh, you know, I want to feel a certain way, or it's like my schedule dictates how I eat or when I eat. Um, and so it's really just about finding a protocol that suits the life that you live, or especially cool. in America, you know, portion sizes are large or, you know, the foods yeah. are highly palatable, dense in sugar, fat, and carbohydrates. People overconsume like pretty chronically. And so that's a struggle for us here in America. And so I think the biggest thing is for people who want to make a change with their body, they need to just commit mm -hmm. to like the unknown and commit to not getting the result that they want in the immediate future and realizing that this is going to take, you know, probably longer than you might assume. Ben Smith is a fitness coach based out of LA, Hollywood. And today he's on the Ironic Show to share his knowledge. Having served the US Army for almost a decade, Ben has a very unique approach when it comes to fitness. Some of the leading global music bands trust Ben for his fitness coaching. So if you are someone who is on his or her fitness journey, weight loss journey, this podcast is for you. If you want to train and learn from an international fitness coach, try Ben Smith's app, Train with Ben. Enjoy Ben Smith's debut podcast in India on The Ironic Show. Ben, my friend from LA, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? All well, all well. Thank you so much for joining in from Hollywood. How is um, life in LA? It's really good, man. I just before we started recording, I showed you out the window. It's beautiful, sunny, probably 85 degrees. So you have been, uh, you have served in the U.S. Army, right? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I did uh, 10 years, 10 I, years in the United States military. I was an artillery officer. So I did cannons and rockets okay. and mortar systems for the most part. And then I worked with uh, aircraft, so like helicopters and, and fixed wing aircraft, so planes for uh, about half of my time in the Army. Okay, so we have a we have had a lot of podcast on the Indian Army on the Indian defense system in our I mean, yeah. in our previous episodes. So this is the first time that we will have some idea about the US army and someone from us army has joined us so do tell us how how the army in us works and uh what was i mean when you say you are an artillery engineer right so what does uh, the exactly an artillery art engineer do art artillery officer so i was uh, i graduated from the artillery united states officer. military academy yeah so I, okay. I graduated from our military academy i commissioned as an officer and then my role was basically to lead uh either teams of soldiers who were doing what's called fire support so basically like orchestrating the indirect fires on the battlefield, the maneuver, the infantry or maneuver commander would need certain assets and, and myself and my team would be coordinating those assets uh -huh. or, uh, you know, in command of the actual guns. So in command of the, the cannons, um, it was a really cool experience for me now in my work as a fitness professional, you know, it's funny because the training coaching and mentoring role that I had as an army officer now shows up in my life, you know, daily, my role now is to train, coach and mentor people right. through their wellness journey. So being an army officer for 10 years, almost a decade, now being a fitness yeah. trainer that I think the previous experience of the army really helps out here. Because yeah, in it's, army, it's you have really to train valuable. every day, actually. Yeah. Right. And even more right. than even more than that, it's been really special to kind of like go back to the thing that fulfills me the most. And so I left the military after about 10 mm. years and I tried to do something else. I tried to go do sales. I was doing business development for a marketing agency and I couldn't understand why I was supposed to care about it, like why it was important to me. And it took having that experience after the military to be like, holy cow, like the thing that I love most is helping people navigate, you know, a, a, a transformational journey. It happened to be the military for a large part of my life, but now it's people navigating a wellness journey. And that's, you know, through physical fitness, they achieve mental, spiritual, and emotional wellness as well. It's been really cool. Great. So if I may ask, so being in LA, you are exposed to a yeah. lot of celebrities out here. So that yeah. entire Hollywood is open to you. So if yeah. you are allowed to share, what, yeah. what all celebrities do you work with? Um, well, so, so you're right in that, like in Hollywood, there's a lot of celebrity clientele. There's also a lot of yeah. com competition for trainers. Like this is the Mecca for, for the fitness industry. And so like absolutely a lot, a lot of the best trainers are like here in Los Angeles or here in, or in New York city. And, uh, so for, for the first part of my career as a trainer, I worked with a lot of film and television personalities, um, mm. a lot of celebrity chefs. I had several celebrity chefs from like our food network here. Uh, and then that transitioned into me working with a bunch of musicians. And so now my primary group is this Grammy award-winning 
uh, electronic dance music group called Rufus Du Soul. They're an Australian trio. We've been together for five years and we tour for about two thirds of the year every year. So it's been a really special experience. Um, It's been fun to navigate, you know, a novel, uh, you know, every, every single day is different. And my goal is just to try and bring some sort of, you know, regiment to, to our touring and to our practice and to our, to our, uh, you know, performance. The goal ultimately is to get them to play the best show they possibly can mm-hmm. night after night. Okay. So you also have a digital platform that you have launched and launched, I believe you have an app. Yeah. So that really opens up the market across the world, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So which all countries, which all countries do you have your clientele base in? So anywhere in the world, you can access the app. Currently, I have Mm -hmm. the majority of the clientele are in America, some in Canada, and then we have a few in Western Europe. Uh, But any anywhere in the world, you can access the platform. My goal for this year was to be more public with my work. Um, I have an intention for every year. And so this year's intention was connection. So that, you know, is the driver for me doing things like this, Mm -hmm. podcasting and being more public facing in my work. A lot of my work up until this point has been more word of mouth and referral based. So I like do good work with somebody and then they tell their friends and I go work with that person and then they tell their friends. But I really want to help a lot more people. And I really want to share with a lot more people how physical fitness can be the thing that changes all parts of your life. And so uh, the app is called Train With Ben. And you can access it via my social media or at trainwithben.app. And what it is, it's an introduction to resistance training because that's the thing that I love. Um, And then there's also a mindset and breathwork piece to it as well. A large majority of the the people that I work with, uh, they have experience in fitness. And so really my, my role is to show them a way to navigate their fitness in a sustainable way and then also... Uh, open them up to new ways of achieving the thing that they want. And so a lot of that has to do with self-regulation, meditation, breath work, mindfulness, things like that. So just to let you know, India is now a huge market in terms of the fitness. Yeah. The youth are really now fitness conscious, be it gymming, be it yoga, be it physical activity, activity yeah. be it sports or anything. So the youth is really getting into this. I think uh, for you, India could be a really huge market when it comes to your yeah. digital platform at least. Even yeah, not I mean, the physical love... presence of Ben Smith, but at least. Uh... Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the purpose of the platform. It's like if you're in India or you're in Denmark or you're in Australia, you can still participate. And uh, I love the fact that there's been this massive culture shift towards physical fitness. It doesn't necessarily have to be resistance training or weightlifting, but yoga, sport, all those things are incredibly valuable. And I think more than anything, it's just committing to the practice and the ritual of showing up every day for yourself. And uh, that's exciting to hear that that India is trending in, in the right direction. It's funny, there's a parallel there between my work with musicians and what you described, because in the music industry, there's a massive transition from the party lifestyle of touring, where it's like drugs and alcohol and women and, and you know all these things that kind of distract you from, from the work and from the projects. And now there's this massive shift towards wellness and a sustainable means of touring. And I'm really excited to be like a driver in that process. When we talk about fitness and health, Right. Yeah. It's a huge topic, actually. And there are yeah. a lot of subsets of it. The, and the most important part of fitness and health is diet. Yeah. And there has been a lot of, you know, a lot of kinds of diet that have come up in this maybe past 10 years, 15 years. Keto, paleo, veganism. Uh, some people are vegetarian. So, so yeah. what exactly do you believe? I mean, uh, is the other diet that is probably most suited for the kind of body types. I mean, do you believe keto is the way to go or it's completely depends on individual to individual? I think it's based on preference. So I'm not dogmatic in my prescription of like how people should eat. I think that you should eat the way that's going to serve you best. And that could be, you know, any number of things. It could be the thing that's going to get you the aesthetic result, like looking a certain way. It could be something more, uh, you know, I want to feel a certain way, or it's like my schedule dictates how I eat or when I eat. Um, and so it's really just about finding a protocol that suits the life that you live and like aligns with your preference. So like, I'm not going to tell a vegetarian that they need to consume animal-based protein because like, they're probably not going to do that. Um, I think there's a way to navigate any protocol in an effective way. I always urge people to explore the other's perspective. And so like, I've tried all the diets. I've gone vegan for an extended period of time. I've gone keto for an extended period of time. I've done carnivore. Uh, and the thing that I love most is I eat both animal and plant-based proteins. Mm. I eat starchy carbohydrates, fruit, 
healthy fats. Um, I try to stick to uh, a diet that's rich in color. So, you know, different types of fruits. Um, and then I just eat until I'm full and then I don't eat anymore. And that's uh, coming from the perspective of someone who struggled with eating disorder for a long time. The majority of my teens and into my 20s, I was anorexic and then bulimic for, for a period of time. And it had a lot to do with just me not feeling comfortable in my body and me not understanding what the food I was consuming was doing for me. And I had a lot of shame around how I was eating and how I looked and how I felt. And so I just, I found a thing that was sustainable for me. And now I just try and assist people or guide people along the path to find the thing that's sustainable for them. But if you're looking for a, if you're looking for an answer, the way I eat is I eat animal based mm -hmm. proteins, I eat fruits, okay. I eat a lot of rice and potatoes, yogurt and honey. Those are the majority, those are the staples in my diet. Okay. So, uh, so let's, let's speak about someone who is a complete vegetarian. So yeah. for, according to you, what would you suggest as a vegetarian, how many meals a day and what should his meal consist of? I mean, when I say what the meal consists of, I mean, how much protein or how much carbs or how much, you know, fiber should each meal yeah. consist of and how he should, he or she should plan a meal. Yeah, I, I would just look for opportunities to incorporate foods that are higher in protein. So like lentils, things like that. Um, if you're interested in like incorporating other like yogurt and, and, you know, their animal adjacent protein sources. Uh, I don't know the definition yeah. of vegetarian in India, if it differs from, from America, but looking for opportunities to incorporate things that feel comfortable to you. And so I wouldn't, I, if someone came to me, I wouldn't prescribe a meal plan and like, you need to eat this number of meals and this breakdown of macronutrients. What I would say is just look to try and build out a menu of foods that you know you can consume and you know mm. will be able to fit into your diet. And then if you want to get really granular with it, you can look at how many calories you need in the day and then try and break down the meals. And so like what I try to do for people as we look at, we have calories and we have protein. And so I'm looking to have a calorie value that I try and shoot for each day. And then I look for a protein value that I'm trying to consume more than each day. And so it's like the calories are a ceiling. I eat up to that value and no more. The protein is a floor. I eat, you know, that value or more. Um, and, if you can bias protein sources, even in a vegetarian or vegan type diet, if you can bias protein rich uh, nutrition sources, you stand a better chance at building muscle mass, maintaining muscle mass, you know, reducing fat mass, um, things that like everyone seems to be after. Uh, but in terms of like breaking down, like this meal needs to look this way or like, you know, you need to have this much fiber. You're not, if you're a vegetarian, you're not worried about fiber because you... <laughs> You're eating mostly right. fiber, yeah. or fi really fiber-dense foods. Um, so what I would say is just look for opportunities to incorporate more protein-dense foods, the ones that you prefer. And then, uh, again, same thing with someone who eats animal-based proteins. Eat until you're full or just shy of full, and then you'll be fine. Your body's going to tell you exactly how you need to eat. Just, there's an aspect of getting in touch with your body that's, I think, really important. And we kind of neglect it here with like the dogmatic fitness culture, or especially cool. in America you know, portion sizes are large or, you know, the foods yeah. are highly palatable, dense in sugar, fat, and carbohydrates. People overconsume like pretty chronically. And so that's a struggle for us here in America. So one thing uh, I believe that is, you know, similarity between India and US, the America yeah. is diabetes and obesity. Obesity. Yeah. These two chronic illness are the similarity between these two countries, right? So for yeah. people with obesity or diabetes or maybe com a combination of both, which is a deadly combination to have. So what yeah. would be your suggestion in terms of the workout regime and in terms of the diet? Yeah. I mean, once you're, once you're in that state, in the obese mm. state, it's rather challenging to, to make, you know, huge life-changing positive corrections. Um, I would enlist the help of a medical professional. I think of obesity as a disease. And so I think that like there's, an opportunity for clinician support or like a doctor's support. Um, there are ways to navigate that. But I think in general, the principles are generally the same. You know, if you're struggling with obesity, you're struggling with diabetes, or you're even like not to that extreme, like taking small active steps in the direction of the thing that you want is probably appropriate. So like monitoring the amount of food you're consuming, biasing protein over the other macronutrients, getting more steps in, you know, things like that. And I get it that everyone's experience is different. And I understand that like, you know, some people's situations are far more grave, but the ever growing sedentary epidemic that's happening in America 
is not to blame, but it's a huge contributor. And so if we could just be more physically active or like look for opportunities to move our bodies more, then I think a lot of these like detrimental, you know, these being the obesity epidemic and other horrible things like could be less extreme, I think. So in terms of, I mean, as a fitness trainer, so when yeah. you have a client or someone who has come to yeah. you, maybe if I come to you for yeah. your suggestions and for your inputs on what should be my diet, what should my diet yeah. consist of? So what would yeah. your recommendation be in terms of uh, protein intake, carbs intake? What should be the ratio of uh, these yeah. things when I'm taking in a meal? Yeah, uh, in so terms of I, body to body weight to the carb ratio. Yeah. So if you want to like have more muscle and lose fat tissue, then like nutrition is wildly important. I generally recommend that people consume one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So like okay. if I'm a 200 pound, if I'm a 200 pound individual, I know you guys might use kilograms. So yep. it would be, it would be, you know, uh, half, you would double, double your kilos. So if you're okay. like 90 kilos, then you would have 180 grams of protein. Oh. Um, in general, that is a, it's a, an estimation of a value that might be good for you. So all of nutrition is just a best guess. And so we're guessing at, at a solution. And then it either works or it doesn't like change will happen or it doesn't. And then you can just make educated course corrections after, you know, you spend some time at a certain value. The thing with nutrition is people often change it up so quickly because they're like, oh, my God, it's not working or, oh, I'm not seeing the thing. This process takes so much longer than you might imagine. And so I think the biggest thing is for people who want to make a change with their body, they need to just commit mm. to like the unknown and commit to not getting the result that they want in the immediate future and realizing that this is going to take, you know, probably longer than you might assume. But back to your question, I think in general, if the goal is to lose body weight and maintain muscle tissue, you want to consume one gram per pound of body weight in protein or double your kilograms in protein. And then uh, and then for the calorie value, I would look to multiply. So we do pounds here. So I would say body weight times about 12 for males, body okay. weight times 10 for females. And so what that might look like for you is body weight in kilos times like 24 for males and body weight in kilos times 20 for females. And this is just a general range. It's on the lower end of what calories might be appropriate, but you could consume that calorie value with a protein value that's, you know, like high enough and you'll see your body weight, your body composition change. You'll maintain muscle tissue and you lose fat. You'll notice I didn't talk about protein or uh, carbohydrates and fat. I don't prescribe carbs and fat. I don't do that. Okay. We just do protein and protein and calories. Simplify it. And as long as you don't exceed the calorie value, there's no way you're going to gain weight because it's it's thermodynamics and it's in the most basic sense. And if you don't consume more energy than you burn, then you're not going to mm. you're not going to gain weight. Right. So another important of uh, diet. So just giving you one more scenario. So suppose yeah. there is someone who has come to you to get himself yeah. or herself completely ripped like a maybe Hollywood actor, right? Yeah. The other scenario could be someone who just want to be maybe athletic, let's say LeBron yeah. James for that matter. And then the third person, yeah. then third one could be someone like me who just wants to shed off the extra fat from the body. Yeah. So yeah. in these three scenarios, what would be, uh, you know, your diet plus uh, the fitness regime that you would suggest for these three scenarios? Someone who is looking to just gonna get ripped become Brad Pitt or someone like that. Someone like LeBron James, be athletic right? or like Ronaldo for that matter. And the third one, yeah. just a regular regular guy wants to look good, shed off some extra fat. Yeah, well, I think the principles, if you're talking about nutrition specifically, the principles are the same yeah. across all three populations. You need to prioritize protein first. So I would, okay. I would have them eat the same amount of protein. So they would all, they would all be like, okay, we're going to eat one gram per pound of body weight or two times my body weight in kilograms mm -hmm. in protein. And then the, what would happen is we'll get more specific or more restrictive, the more uh, lean you want to become. So like that Brad Pitt type person, they're probably going to be consuming less food overall relative to their body weight so that they can reduce total fat tissue. Because the only difference between all of these people is that they just have less fat as you move across the spectrum. And so Brad Pitt or that like very shredded person is probably just more specific with his nutrition. So he's eating the same amount of protein, but the calories are probably less. Somebody who just wants to look lean and athletic, well, the requirement to have reduced bat body fat tissue is less. 
And so they'd be less restrictive with their total consumption. So they're eating the same protein, like a high volume of protein. They're just less restrictive with the calories. So they're probably eating more calories. And then someone who's just interested in losing fat tissue, if you have a lot of fat to lose, there's a really cool thing that happens when you start to just eat whole food sources and you don't overconsume. And so the thing that I like to do with those, that population, like if it was you that was coming to me and was just like, I just want to lose a little body fat. Well, the food that you're eating currently is probably your maintenance calories. So if you changed nothing, you would just stay this way, you know, indefinitely, right? Like that you're eating the food that gets you to look like this. And so if you just reduced the total volume of the food that you consume by just a little bit, then you would see a reduction in your body weight because you're eating less food over time. And so if somebody comes to me and they're like, I just want to lose 20 pounds, or I just want to lose 10 pounds. Like I can't do it. Then we look at what they're consuming. We might make a tweak or two, like increase the protein here, remove the, I don't know what it could be, but remove this, some of this food here. And then I just have them eat a lower calorie value for an extended period of time, you know, 12, 20 weeks, you know, it takes a long time. And then they'll come back to me and they'll be, 20 pounds lighter. And it's just manipulating the volume. So once you've, once you've gotten your protein under control, if you can just manipulate the total volume of food that you consume, then you can adjust your body weight pretty easily. Okay. My next question is also on diet. I'm emphasizing so much yeah. on diet because that's one of the most important part when you're on your fitness journey, yeah. right? So we typically, I mean, uh, if I have to speak in India also, yeah. There are many people, I mean, since the fitness trend has definitely started a few years back, but there are still many people who would go, go light on breakfast, then they would have yeah. heavy lunch and heavy dinner. Yeah. Right. So is that the right way to go? Or as we say that breakfast should be very heavy, nutritious breakfast, lunch, I mean, more of salads, more of fibers and all those things. And dinner is the I mean, lightest of all the meals. So what uh, is your suggestion? I, I... I don't think there's a right answer. I think that okay. it's preference based. Uh, I don't eat, I don't eat breakfast. So okay. I, don't, I don't eat breakfast. I eat generally a pretty light lunch and then I eat a, a huge dinner. Um, okay. I get most of my calories from my dinner. Uh, but that's just because that's the way that I've eaten for the last 15 years. It's not, it's not better than the other. Um, I think truthfully, the thing that matters most is the nutrients that you're consuming. So as long as you're able to get the nutrients in that you need for your day, across the times that you eat. It could be seven times a day. It could be one time a day, whatever suits you best. Um, but I don't think there's any, like I said, I'm not dogmatic about nutrition at all. It's, it's, uh, there's this interesting phenomenon where if you try and fit your life to a protocol, the odds of you maintaining that lifestyle are very low. Mm. But if you're able to fit the protocol to your life, then the odds of you continuing with the practice are very, very high. And so like for my life, for example, I coach in the morning. My morning is packed with work. And so there isn't an opportunity for me to like really sit and have an intentional breakfast. And I like to be very intentional with the times that I eat. I want to sit with my food. I want to like, you know, check in with my body and I want to like make it a ritual practice. And so for me, it just isn't an option in the morning. But like in the afternoon and in the evening, I'm able to like take that time and actually, you know, okay. do the things that I need to do for my body. And so what I've done is I've just built a system where I'm able to get the food in that I need to consume in a day across those two larger meals. My, uh, my meals look generally the same. They're animal-based protein. I usually consume a carbohydrate like rice or potatoes. I have some sort of fat. Uh, most often it's like Greek yogurt with honey. Um, and then I eat a lot of fruit, a ton of fruit. Okay. So my next question is on sugar itself. So I think one of the biggest reason for fat i mean accumulating in the body is sugar i mean sugar consumption yeah. and the second reason is the packaged foods the packaged drinks as well yeah uh, what is your suggestion around packaged food i mean i believe packaged food is a byproduct of these large mncs and everyone maybe educating us in the wrong way mm. you should have cereal you should have this and if you really go deep into that study the uh, nutrients actually those are building sugar and those are building your i mean you are getting fat obese consuming those things right so what is yeah. your suggestion around this packed food and then the next part is uh on these sugary drinks like coke or something anything anything else for that matter yeah yeah i um a younger version of me would have been like oh it doesn't matter like yeah. packaged foods none of it matters um 
but an older, more experienced version of Ben, like I'm, I can tell you for sure that if you want to look and feel your best, like removing processed foods and refined sugars is probably a good choice, uh, especially like sugary drinks. Um, one of the first things, like if you're, if you consume sugary drinks regularly, like soda or juice or stuff like that, and you're looking to lose body weight, if you remove those sugary drinks, if you just consume like tea and water and coffee for your drinks, you'll see a reduction in body fat because the ability to overconsume not only sugar, but calories through liquid is very, very high. And at the end of the day, it comes back to total calories consumed for most people, barring some right. sort of like genetic predisposition or like a thyroid issue or something like that. Um, in terms of the processed foods, I eat a whole food nutrient dense diet. So I don't consume processed foods uh, rarely ever unless I'm like traveling and I need to like have a protein bar or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, like something from a package, but like my food comes from the ground uh, or it had a face, you know, I don't, uh, I'm, I just, I'm in the place now where I don't need to eat packaged processed foods. And like, I'm very lucky okay. that that's the case for me. I know a lot of people don't have that luxury. Um, I can assure you that if your only option is to consume things from packages, you'll be okay. It just comes back to those same principles where are you getting enough protein? Are you getting the right amount of calories to support your your you know goals? And then are you moving your body in a way that facilitates the change that we're after? And like, yes, nutrition is wildly important. So important. It's the main driver of like a body composition and health change. But I think people neglect how important building muscle is not only for your, you know, ability in sport or like for your aesthetics, but like also for your longevity. And so, um, you know, I urge people to really be intentional with their nutrition, but also look to implement a training program that allows them to build more muscle tissue, because that's going to be really, really, really valuable as they age. How would you read the importance of sleep or taking rest in anyone's journey to on his fitness journey or maybe fat loss journey? How important is sleep? And yeah, what would the be the ideal duration? for taking, yeah. I mean, uh, getting a good rest. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's one of the most important pieces, uh, you know, for not only your physical health, but your mental, emotional health too. Yeah. Um, if you're not getting sleep, your brain is not cleaning itself. You're, you're not recovering in the way that you should be. Uh, if you can think about it like an energy debt, if you don't get the sleep that's required, you wake up and you're like kind of at a, in a debt, you're in a deficit. Uh, and it's really hard to gain back you know, uh, the stuff yeah. that you lose. And so what I like to do is my first audit that I do with people is we audit everything that happens outside of the gym. So I look at nutrition, okay. I look at sleep, I look at personal interactions, but with sleep specifically, the goal is to get in bed at the same time or generally the same time every night and wake up at the same time or generally the same time every morning. And there are a couple of things that I like to do with people. I call it the three, two, one rule. But so uh, if you can stop consuming foods like whole foods three hours prior to bed, you can stop consuming liquids two hours prior to bed. And if you can turn off all of your blue light electronics one hour prior to bed, then you stand the best chance at getting into a deep restful sleep as quick as possible when you do go to sleep. And I understand that that is like not possible for many people. But if you mm. can just understand the principles and be like, OK, well, I should probably stop eating, you know, that's the first thing I should think about. It's like, if I want really good sleep, I should probably stop eating as far away from my bedtime as possible. Okay. If I don't want to get up and pee in the middle of the night, then I should probably stop drinking like, you know, shortly thereafter. And then I need to have some time prior to sleep before, uh, without, without, uh, without my electronics. You can think about that kind of like, um, if you're driving into a stoplight, if you're speeding into a stoplight, that's like you yeah. on your phone, the electronics, you're like amped up all hyper and, and like whether you feel it or not, your brain is like working really hard. Yes. And then you try to go to sleep. That's like driving into a stoplight and slamming on the brakes. <laughs> but if you're able to like turn the electronics off for a bit, that gives you some time to like slow down and get into a deep restful state. Um, I like to incorporate some light stretching and some breath work prior to sleep just because it pushes me into a more relaxed, restful state. Um, I take my sleep very, very seriously. Uh, that's the most, so in my own personal life, that is the most important thing to me. Sleep. Um, okay. so if I may ask, I, I what time I focus do you, on you sleep. go to bed? So I go okay. to bed, uh, <laughs> I go to bed pretty late. I usually go to bed about 10 o'clock, 1030. Okay. Um, and then I get up really early. So I only sleep about six hours a night and that's just because that's what I need to do right now. 
Um, I know that I do better with more sleep. It's just like not an option for me at the moment. Um, but I sleep from about 1030 until about 430. Um, and that's just because that serves my life right now. There have been periods in my life where I've slept less. There have been periods in my life where I sleep more. But I know for sure if I sleep eight or nine hours, I am a better version of myself. It's just like not an option at the moment. So 70 to 75% of our body is water, right? Yeah. How would you rate the importance of hydration? I mean, water intake, uh, I mean, in terms of daily water intake for the body, I mean, in your fat loss journey, is it? Yes. Uh, so I, I think, I think it's just really important to find places in your day where you can uninhibit, like you can add water without it being stressful. So like once you get into your day, maybe it's hard for you to be like, oh shoot, I'm in the middle of my work. I need to like go and get some water. Um, and so what I like to do is I consume a lot of water as soon as I wake. And then I consume quite a bit of water when I come home for the day. And so, um, if you can like bookend your day with a lot of water, you know, and then find times throughout your day where you're able to like add hydration, um, then you like stand a better chance of getting enough water. I think like a hundred ounces of water or so per day is like a good thing to shoot for. You know, that's like okay. three quarts of water. Um, and then you just, if you, if you're able adding some electrolytes to the water. So like if you have sodium, like, uh, you know, like sea salt or something like that, that yeah. that'll allow you to, to hold more of the water. Um, because water alone, like, yeah, it's valuable, but water plus minerals is like definitely better in terms of like actually hydrating your cells. So do you recommend, I mean, uh, I read, I mean, when I was going, I mean, researching about you, I mean, you have also emphasized on recovery through, I mean, cold treatment. I mean, it could be ice bath or something. So how yeah. important is that? I mean, and how does it help? Yeah. So I don't, I don't use the ice bath for muscle recovery. I think there's like layers okay. to it. So you can look at it purely physiologically, like just the body. Yes. There's value in like, you know, cell repair and, and reduction in soreness mm. and inflammation through, through getting cold. There's also a psychological benefit, uh, or like a, uh, a benefit where like your body produces more dopamine, norepinephrine, adrenaline, you know, these things that are these neurotransmitters that are really valuable. Um, but then for me, the, the cold exposure is really just an opportunity to do something hard. And I think it's, you know, a confidence building activity. Like I think I spend a lot, I, you know, personally, I spend a lot of my time being anxious or like worried or stressed about things that like may or may not happen in the future. And actually doing something hard for myself every day or doing a thing that I like don't really want to do, you know, it's inherently scary, has just been really valuable for me. And so um, other practices like breath work and sauna and, you know, things where you put yourself in a bit of a stressful situation or a thing that you like don't really want to participate in have been really valuable for me because it shows that I can do a hard thing. Okay. But in terms of in terms of recovery, ice is great. I mean, ice is great for reducing inflammation. I wouldn't I wouldn't buy I wouldn't use it all the time like for. Like if I'm training, I don't really ice myself because uh, I just it doesn't I don't need to do that. But uh, in terms of like doing something hard for my mind, I I do it pretty often. Okay, so when you suggest a training regime to your clients, so is that a mix of cardio, weight loss, definitely? So does it also include a lot of stretching exercises or yoga? No, um, I don't really do that. Uh, if people are open or interested in doing yoga or mm -hmm. other things like that, I can refer them. To somebody who is a specialist there that's not really my thing um okay. i don't personally practice yoga but i do do a lot of uh, meditation and breath work so if the practice like if yoga is for the mobility aspects like we can achieve a lot of that flexibility and strength stuff through the training but uh, okay. if the yoga is for a mindset or mindfulness practice i also have ways to incorporate that through my favorite is breath work just getting in touch with your breath out of your thinking head and into your feeling body so please, if you can, please explain the whole process. I mean, uh, what do you suggest to your customers in terms of their overall fitness journey? Uh, do you incorporate, uh, I mean, uh, weight trainings, yeah. the mobility exercises that you mentioned, the breath work? So how does that whole package work? Yeah. So um, the way that I would work with somebody is if I, if you're, you know, accessing me through the internet and through the app, then there's two tracks. So the first is what's called train with Ben. It's my training program. And so yeah. I do full body training generally three to four days a week. And that's resistance focused. Uh, I do one to two uh, conditioning type days. It's a lot of sprint work. 
So I run really fast for a short amount of time. And then I spend a lot of my time walking. So those are the three components of like the fitness protocol, strength training, sprinting, and walking generally spread across a week. Uh, I incorporate breath work and mindfulness at the beginning and end of each training session. And then, uh, you know, nutrition is something that we coach on a, on an individual basis. Now, if I'm working with somebody individually, like they come to me and we train together, or I like tour with a musician or, or an artist of some sort, then it's more refined and it's more individualized. And so I'll build out a training plan that's structured to them. Um, in the same way, it incorporates strength training, sprinting and walking most always. Um, and, and I think that doing that has just been really valuable for people. Again, the whole thing is just to get have a better experience for as long as possible. And so I just know if people can get stronger and build more muscle mass, they're going to be a lot happier and healthier. Right. So the way that I train personally is I do three, I three resistance training days a week, one to two sprint days a week. And then I take a walk every single day. That's what I do. Okay. And how do you put meditation around, I mean, on your foot fitness regime? Uh, and how do you think that meditation helps in terms of anyone's fitness journey? Does that yeah, so I really think, make someone focused? Yeah, so I think more than anything, it's it's being like multifaceted in the way that you approach your wellness. And so it's not just physical fitness. It's not just mental health. It's not just emotional intelligence. It's all of the things together. And so I look for ways to tr- take a holistic approach to, to your wellness. And so I think that physical fitness is the gateway into those other experiences. So if like you want to improve your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual wellness, like starting with physical fitness is the place to start. But I think if you can incorporate other aspects like the emotional component, the mental component, the spiritual component into that physical experience, then you stand a better chance of like opening your exposure to improvement there as well. And so I like to start each training session with a bit of a a, more of an excitement breathing. So like some hyperventilation type breathing, like stuff like that. And then I like to finish each session with something more down-regulating. So calmer, more exaggerated, like a deep breath in through the nose, an exaggerated breath out the mouth. Like I'm already calmer for having done that one breath. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, again, it's just an opportunity. Like th- I haven't talked about this, but a large part of what I speak to when I work with people in, in person is we spend so much time here in our head. We spend so much time worrying and thinking and I think ultimately the goal or when I do my best work or when I show up as the best version of myself, Ben, I'm not thinking, I'm feeling. So if I can get myself out of here and into here, into my body, then I stand a better chance of showing up as the best version of myself. And so the breath practice for me is just an opportunity to intentionally get myself out of my head and into my body. Okay. Uh so one thing that you mentioned that uh, one thing that is really necessary is how to get people motivated. So people, mm. I mean, tend to just start their fitness journey and it could continue for maybe one month, two months, three months, right? There yeah. comes a point because initially when someone, uh, I mean, uh, gets on his fitness journey, the water yeah. weight is lost very quickly, right? Yeah. After that, the stubborn fat that is there because I am a victim of that. The stubborn fat that is there, it takes a lot of time to shed off. And that's the most, I mean, challenging time because you don't, I mean, visibly, you don't see any difference in your body and you're doing the same. I mean, you're going going to the gym or whatever your fitness regime is, whatever physical activities that you're doing, you're following everything, but there is no visible result as such. So in those scenarios, what would you suggest? How can someone keep themselves motivated? Yeah. Well, I'll say it first off, nobody is motivated all the time. I'm not motivated all the time. Motivation doesn't work. It might get you started, but it doesn't work uh, long-term. And that's okay because if you're feeling that way, your experience is not unique or your experience is not unique. Everyone feels that way. And so um, that's how I start with people. But then I say, if you're starting a fitness journey, there are two things that I think are most important. And the first is that you're curious to things that excite you. And so like if the thing, if the fitness thing that you're doing doesn't excite you, then you don't stand the best chance of doing it long term. So like it might not be weightlifting. Like yoga doesn't excite me. So I don't do yoga. But like weightlifting, I'm into that. And so like if I'm going to start a fitness journey, I'm going to be like curious about what opportunities are available to me. Maybe it's dancing. Maybe it's running. Maybe it's, you know, any number of of fitness practices. Maybe it's sports. 
you know, if I'm excited about it, if I want to play soccer, like that excites me, then I'm going to stand a better chance of doing it long-term. And so I get really curious. And then secondly, I enlist the help of an external accountability source. And so that could be like a friend. Like if you go to the gym with a friend, you're probably going to do it longer than if you did it by yourself. Right. Or if you have like a coach or a partner or a community at a gym or like at a, at a, a sports team, you know, something like that. And so I say, you need to get really curious about something that might interest you. And then two, you might, you might want to enlist the help of an external accountability source. And then just understand, like I said at the very beginning of the podcast, that this takes way longer than you think. If it's physical change, if it's, if it's mental or emotional or spiritual change, it takes so much longer than you could ever imagine. I've been training for 23 years and I look like I've barely been training. You know, it's like, it's like this takes the rest of your life. And just having that understanding, I think is really powerful. I'll share this with you because uh, the book is sitting right here next to me somewhere. Uh, I've got this bookshelf next to me and I can't find the book, but there's this book called Finite and Infinite Games. Uh, okay. Are you familiar with this? No, I'm not. James, James Sirs. Um, okay, so, okay, so Finite and Infinite Games. Now, Finite Game is a game where the people that are playing know that they're playing and they know the other, the other person. They know the other team, the opponent. They know the rules of the game and everybody's on the same page and there is a winner at the end. So this could be like a cricket match or like a, uh, a game of tennis or like, you know, or like anything, like yeah. a sport, a sport match. There is somebody who wins at the end. Now that's a finite game. And there's this thing called an infinite game where different than a finite game, there are people that know they're playing the infinite game, but there are also people playing that we don't know about. There are rules that we think we're, we're sure of, but there are also rules that we don't really understand. And there is no scenario in which there would be a winner, an outright winner. And so that could be something like relationships or business or wellness or I, any spirituality. It's like there okay. is no winning outcome. And people try to apply the principles of these finite games to an infinite experience. And so like you don't win fitness. You don't win wellness. You don't win spirituality. The goal of the infinite game is to continue playing the game. And I think that is the coolest perspective change of all time, because like my commitment to my fitness and my wellness is just to keep doing it for as long as I'm alive. And I think once you can understand that in terms of like, oh, I don't, I don't necessarily see the change that I'm after just yet. Well, just keep playing because the only way you blow it is by stopping, by stopping playing the game. I think that's just like a really cool way to look at your wellness and look at your fitness specifically. Okay. So uh, one thing that I could uh, figure out that other than physical health, you are a great advocate of mental health as well. I think that's yeah. very important. Yeah. So how do you perceive mental health and how do you incorporate those in your trainings and everything? And what is it about mental health that you try and coach people? Yeah, well, I think it's, I think it's, you know, specific to the individual, there are general practices that you can implement that'll like allow you to be mm -hmm. more adept at navigating a mental health stressor. I think ultimately the goal is to have the ability to self-soothe and to self-regulate. Um, and so like we can talk about my experience. I left the military and I had a bit of an identity crisis. Okay. I didn't, I, I didn't understand how to show up in the world as not the army officer had a lot of feelings that I didn't know how to navigate. It ultimately ended with me trying to kill myself a bunch of times. Whoa. And, and so 2018, 2019 was rather stressful for me. I didn't have the tools or the language to describe how I was feeling. It's no coincidence that in those times where I was like doing really grave shit, like I also had neglected my physical fitness. And so in terms of mental health, what I try and do with people is I'm like, there is a way to set yourself up to potentially navigate any situation that you might face in the future. And I am very, very sure that committing to a physical fitness practice is the first step in that process. Okay. And it's as simple as that. And so like, I'm not a therapist, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a clinician, but like, I'm a dude who's just like lived an experience and has a set of oh. tools. And I'm really happy to navigate my own experience in tandem with other people. So like my coaching practice is me really just trying to figure my shit out. And I just invite people to, to join me in that process. And so to answer your question, like very specifically, I'm interested in teaching people or, or shepherding people along a journey to learn how to self-regulate. 
and to calm themselves down in moments of activation or stress or fear or whatever it is. I, I miss, um, so I operate on my own now. Mm. Like I work, I work on, I'm, I am a, I'm a team of one, you know, I, right. I help a lot of people and I interact with a lot of people, mm. but like I work on my own now I'm a solo, I'm an entrepreneur, but I'm a, I'm a, I do it myself. And I really miss having a team. I really okay. miss having, I really miss having the support of a team who's aligned on the same goal as me or in the same objective as me. And I think there's opportunities to incorporate that later in my life. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I don't miss the army. No, but I miss having the support of the team for sure. Okay. So one thing I'm really curious to know, I mean, uh, through your app, the app that you have trained with Ben, right? Mm -hmm. So you're saying that, uh, there are people who are logging into the app remotely and working out with you. So does that yeah. mean they have to be in the gym or they have to have a setup in their uh, home itself so that they can work out? So how does that work? No. So, so I'm, I, there is the, the, there's two different tracks. The first track is that train with Ben option and that one incorporates uh -huh. weights. So if you have a gym or like some dumbbells or weights at home, that would be best. There's another okay. track, which is called our foundations track. And that includes programs for in the gym at home, with weights at home without weights. So just body weight, we have a mobility program as well. So if you just want to do some stretching and mobility, that's there as well. And then that also incorporates the breath work. So we call it the mindset foundation. And so, um, you don't need a gym. You don't even need weights. You just need the time and the commitment to mm. the practice to, to navigate it. And it's, you know, um, my goal, like I said, for this year was connection. And this is a, a big part of me trying to connect with as many people as possible. It's inherently scary for me to be like, Hey, look, world, check out this app that I made, you know, right. because like, what if it's, what if it's awful? You're like, what if it's, you know, that's like, that's a stressful thing for me. Um, but, but you know, the response has been really good and it's been really nice to interact with a lot of people from around the world. And, uh, I'm learning that more than anything, just having the option for people to, to enroll in a low cost training opportunity has been really cool. And it, so it doesn't cost very much. Uh, mm. you know, I'm not in the game to make a lot. I just want to like, I just want to help a lot of people and it's been really cool. Okay. So there are a couple of quick questions. Uh, so yeah. as per you, who is the most ribbed celebrity uh, you have seen or, you know, I mean, not personally, <laughs> no, but you have seen. Most ripped. Uh, when I think of ripped celebrity, I think of Brad Pitt and Fight Club. That's what everybody wants to look like. When I was when I was 15 <laughs> years old, that's what I wanted to look like. So, Absolutely. Uh, I'll give Brad Pitt the nod. Okay. Okay. Uh, my second question to you is: What is your take on steroids? I mean, you know, it's that's an interesting topic. I think there's a lot of uh, layers to that question, depending yep. on the goal. Depending on the goal, I think there's levels of appropriateness. So like if you're a professional bodybuilder and you're in a non or you're in a drugged, you know, federation and you like are trying to win your Olympia or whatever it is, then it's probably appropriate that you do steroids. If you're somebody that has uh, hormonal problems and you need support like hormone replacement therapy or testosterone replacement therapy and you have a doctor that's, you know, guiding you through that process, then they're probably appropriate. Um, but if you're a highly functioning adult that like isn't competing in a bodybuilding show, then like maybe they're less appropriate. But I think ultimately it goes back to preference. Like I'm really excited about people deciding for themselves what is, what is the best course of action. And it's like, if you need to do steroids, then, then do them. I'm not going to do them, but if you need to do them, like go do them, you know, I'm not your dad type of thing, <laughs> you know? Okay. So as a fitness consultant and a fitness coach, uh, yeah. So what do you think are the, you know, long-term effects, negative effects of steroid on the body? Well, I, I think, you know, it goes back to the level at which you use or abuse them. And so like, if you're doing them in a thoughtful, intentional way, hmm. then like maybe there aren't lasting long-term, you know, negative side effects. Okay. But if you're doing something that isn't what is appropriate, then like, you know, you stand a chance to reap a negative result. And you, we see a lot of people who are dying really young. Um, and I'm not saying it's due to steroid overuse, but like there's a really high potential that that is the case. Um, I would enlist the help if you're going to do it. Like, I'm not going to deter people from doing it. Like if you're going to do it, like enlist the help of somebody who's going to support you and help you navigate the, pro the process. Um, 
But I do think that uh, you should think long and hard because what happens with most is that if you start a steroid journey, you're like committing to that for the long term. And like, so if you're going to start hormone replacement therapy, you better be committed to doing hormone replacement therapy for the rest of your life type of thing. Okay. So my last question to you, Ben, is on the supplements and the protein shakes that are available yeah. in the market. Yeah. So uh, what should one look out for when they're looking for supplements and this protein shakes? I mean, do you, uh, would you suggest someone uh, taking in supplements or yeah. would you rather not have someone take supplements or how is it? What is your take on supplements and protein shakes? Yeah, I think it, I think it's the same thing as like a steroids thing. So okay. you do what you need. You do what you need to do. If okay. your diet doesn't, if your diet doesn't allow you to consume the required amount of protein or nutrients that you need in your diet, then like you need to consume supplements. Like that's what the word supplement supplements a regular diet. Mm. Like I would pref I would prefer that you get all your nutrients from whole food nutrient dense sources. But if you're unable to, then you better do a protein shake. Like <laughs> you know what I mean. If the answer yeah. is like not con the answer, <clears throat> if the answer is either not consuming enough food or taking a protein shake, like you're taking a protein shake mm. from, from my perspective. And so um, what I would look for is the things with minimal ingredients. Like I'm often looking to reduce, like I said, I'm, I'm looking to reduce my protein or my um, reduce my processed food intake. I'm looking to reduce my refined sugar intake. And so like, I just look for protein sources that are cleaner. I don't have a problem with whey protein. I know that a lot of people have stomach issues with whey. Uh, yeah. That doesn't that doesn't affect me. So I consume whey protein because it's cheap. Um, but if you're interested in like a more uh, maybe something that's more agreeable with your digestion, there's pumpkin, pea. There's tons of other proteins, vegan protein sources that might be valuable. I'm not exactly sure what's available in India, um, but even just like looking for for you know other supplementation, not just protein, like vitamins and minerals. Like if you're able to get you know vitamin D or like creatine monohydrate or, uh, you know, a digestive enzyme or probiotic, that's probably really valuable also. Thank you, Ben. With that, we come to the end yeah. of the podcast. I had a really wonderful time, Ben. And yeah, thank you I for have having to say me. something in the limited time that we spoke before, even before the podcast, one, one thing that I could say that having served the army for almost a decade and now in yeah. your uh, entrepreneurship journey as a fitness coach, you are a walking library of fitness and, you know, overall mental health. <laughs> so I think it's just one book out of the library. I think it was one of the basic courses that we just, well, I mean, uh, just completed. And there are a lot of, I mean, a lot of heavy discussions that we can do. Uh, maybe take, maybe one podcast could be on diet, maybe on fat loss. There could be several other, I mean, topics that we can discuss with you. I think it was just yeah. one of the basic courses that, I mean, listeners can just come, uh, enjoy and understand the basic concepts of fitness uh, weight loss fat loss diet and everything and there is yeah. more podcasts that i would look forward to you know record with you uh, yeah. i had a wonderful time uh, I, Me too. how how was your uh, overall experience of the podcast i really enjoyed it this is uh you know my first uh podcast in the indian market um <laughs> oh, so I'm, wow i'm i'm very excited for that um but yeah it was really special and i hope that we can do it again sure glad to have launched you into the indian market i hope there are <laughs> a lot of people who would use that training train with ben app and you get a lot of indian clients and sometime you come to india and we'll have a good time out here that would be really great yeah thank you I'd ben. Love that. thanks yeah, a thank lot. you so much <laughs>